0: This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk. Well, Welcome here this evening. I'm Paul Newton, uh, heading up the Cambridge Assessment Network Division, which is responsible for bringing you a series of uh, seminars. This is a seminar in our current Issues in Assessment series. Um, last year, we called seminars at Downing College part of our forum seminar series. Um, we've, we've ditched the name forum seminar series, but we've kept the concept, which is good. So that means that uh, these down in College events, we get the opportunity to have a little bit more time to get stuck into some little uh, issues that are a little bit more meaty. Now, I'm very pleased today to be able to introduce and to welcome Jason, Jason Lampriano. Jason is from the University of Cyprus. Uh, James, Jason is a man of many names. His other auto-ego is Yasinus Lampriano. I did a bit of research on the internet to find out what that meant. Apparently, it's derived from the Greek word, which means the healer. And, of course, uh, (laughs) Yasin was the leader of the Argonauts as well. Um, According to another fairly random page on the internet, Jason's name implies a dependable person who can fulfill hard projects. Is that me? From my experience of working with him, it is. Uh, Jason completed a B.E.D. at the University of Athens before coming to England and gaining a Ph.D. at the University of Manchester under uh, Tom Christie. Um, The title of his thesis was Optimal Appropriateness Measurement in the Context of the One-Parameter Logistic Model, which I hope makes more sense to you than it does to me. Jason has moved back to Cyprus now. Um, Still keeps close links with those of us in the UK and the assessment community, and he's done research uh, for various organisations, including the QCA, NAA, uh, TTA, and uh, and other organisations as well. Um, He's made a particular contribution over the years to national curriculum testing in England, and worked on the school sampling project originally, didn't you, in um, in Manchester, which analysed the examination results to provide really interesting data that was of great use to schools. Um, how to deal with the enigma of inter-subject comparability is an issue that's uh, taxed me over the years, a fascinating issue. Um, it's an issue that's a global problem, which often has serious political ramifications, and some of those ramifications Jason's written about himself in papers that have been published recently. It's a hot topic over here, particularly because there's many a subject community who would ask us to rescale our examination results according to the output of the Chem Centre correction factors. Um, So when I found out that Jason was doing some really fascinating research into the ethical implications of making adjustments like those, I thought this would make an excellent topic for one of our Downing College seminars. So, Jason, I'm very pleased that you've been able to travel here today from Cyprus, and we're really looking forward to what you've got to say tonight. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> thank you, Paul. And uh, I would like to thank everybody
1: for being here today. Um, yes, indeed, the topic of the, of the presentation today is about the subject comparability, but not from the technical perspective. Um, Mostly, I'm interested about the consequences of, uh, of our actions, of our technical decisions, um, especially if we work in the examination boards in the testing industry. And today I'm going to tell you a few things about a real story, something that happened in Cyprus very recently. Um, so I'm going to, t- to talk to you about a forced decision-making. Uh, it's a case of um, one country changing its laws, uh, affecting the university entrance system of another country, therefore forcing the politicians to ask the psychometricians to come up with clever ideas in order to achieve subject comparability. Right? So this is the case of the social responsibility of awarding bodies. It's the case of Cyprus, but I will draw on my experiences from England uh, in order to make the whole discussion more uh, relevant to you. So yes, I am now working at the Department of Social and Political Sciences. Therefore, I will be looking at the aspect of comparability of subjects from the perspective of the impact, the social consequences, Um, and mostly from my experience after working for years in the testing industry, I feel that I now know that um, access to higher education is a determinant of social class as well as a product of social class. From the perspective of the sociology of education, it makes perfect sense just to try and see how examinations act as filters which regulate who passes through that filter towards the tertiary education. Now, in the last 30 or 40 years, the Western societies decided that they wanted to move towards the massification of higher education. So we decided that we wanted to open the doors towards the universities, to many people, to more people, right? From that perspective, many people were, uh, were having the illusion that the massification of education actually meant more fairness, more social mobility, more upwards social mobility. But the fact that more people pass through the filter to go to higher education does not mean that we facilitate social mobility, because what is important now, what is now a social determinant, is not whether somebody actually goes to, educate, to, to higher education or not, but we have a horizontal stratification within higher education. So it makes perfect sense to ask the question, okay, many more people now go to higher education, but it's important to say, which university accepted you as a student and in which department you were actually accepted. So you can go to higher education and become a nurse or a doctor. This is not exactly the same thing, right? And you may be accepted in one of the traditional universities uh, compared to the so-called non-traditional universities, for example, in England. This can affect your later employment status and, and, and possibilities. So what I'm trying to say now is that when we do our research about the impact of our decisions in examination boards, we mustn't just stay on the surface and say, okay, what's the passing rate for low socioeconomic status people, but actually we need to scratch a bit more uh, down from the surface and see exactly what patterns emerge on the departments that those people go and on the universities that they go to study. So what I'm going to do today is that I will try to emphasize, in the context of the comparability of subjects, how we can make the examination scores of different people comparable. Within this context, how our decisions on which comparability model, if you like, we choose to use, how we affect the prospects of people to go to, ter- to tertiary education, and whether we actually uh, impose any restrictions depending on the model we choose. So I'm talking about the social responsibility of the examination boards at this, at this point as guardians of social mobility. Examinations is a political action uh, for me. It's not about psychometrics. It's not about statistical models. It's not about Standards, it's a political action. In an ideal case, we might say that everybody should be accepted to a university. In an egalitarian state, we we should say that education should be free, Um, um, uh, everybody should be um, uh, allowed to go to any department. But the fact of life in in the years of austerity, uh, in in the years of cuts, um, our decisions on the on the procedures, on the filter towards heredication becomes very important. So, the aim of the presentation today, I'm going to use empirical data from Cyprus, from the examination cycle of 2007. In order to compare four different comparability methods, I will come back to this slide later in order to explain, to give my own definition of comparability methods, and to explain a little bit more what these four methods there are. Uh, First, I would like to say a few things about what is comparability. I have noticed that in these little prospectus you have on your chair, uh, there are at least three sessions this year scheduled uh, on comparability issues. It is indeed a very hot uh, issue. Um, And Many people um, can reflect back in 1976 when it was published in the Times Educational Supplement that your chemistry equals my French. In other other words, and to put it in a very simple way, if two candidates have the same A-level grades but they have taken very different examination subjects, how can you distinguish between them? If they have all A's, A levels with A, but one has taken physics and the other one has taken, I don't know, maybe uh, physical education or music, how do you compare? How do you choose between them? It's interesting to say that Paul Newton, uh, probably in this room a few months ago, gave seven definitions of comparability. And he concluded saying something like, whether the concept of the comparability between subjects is incomprehensible or inexpressible or inconceivable, in the sense that there are at least seven competing definitions. And uh, if I want to give another example of how we have problems when we try to differentiate between, between candidates... Uh, I would like to mention the presentation by Robert Wilkins, uh, again in this same uh, series of seminars, when he said that for the Oxford Medical School, they receive something like 1,500 candidates, applications every year. They have to discard almost 1,000 from the very beginning and then go on in order to try to distinguish between the most able of those One every ten applications are accepted. So the issue of comparability of the subjects, the issue of how we distinguish between the candidates, is not just an academic issue. It's not something superficial. It has a real impact on real lives, on real people. That's why I believe that it is a very hot issue, and that's why um, it has received much attention lately in the academic literature. Now, if you allow me, I would like to go back to the issue of Cyprus. Cyprus is a fairly small island, uh, less than one million people, and uh, most of Cypriots study abroad. It is interesting to say that up until 20 years ago, Cyprus did not have a university. So everybody had to go abroad to study. And more than half of Cypriot students go to Greece to study, Athens, Thessaloniki, and other cities in in Greece. Now, the fun thing is that Cyprus was accepted in the European Union in 2004. Now, in 2006, the Greek government decided that Cypriots should not enjoy a privileged status in the Greek education because they should compete with the other Europeans in order to secure positions in Greek universities. Now, imagine a situation where you do not control your higher education, and somebody else changes the rules of the game. The government of Cyprus was informed about this decision in mid-October, November. And uh, the Cyprus law had to change within 60 days. So within 60 days, uh, we had to change the law, the whole university and trust system. And the most interesting thing is that the new law should be compatible to the Greek law. Imagine a state, a country, trying to draft a law compatible to the law of another country without mentioning the law of the other country, because it's not, it's not legal. right? It's, it's, it was a crazy situation. And the most important aspect is the constraints we had to suffer. For example, each candidate should have one single index of academic ability. No interviews, no background information, no extracurricular activities. You have to have a number under your picture, just a number. You may apply for five different departments. For the, for the Department of Medicine, for uh, in the Department of Engineering, uh, for the Department of Primary uh, Teacher Studies. For all those options you have, you will be ranked using this single index of ability, and the computer, an algorithm, will choose whether you get your first choice, your second, your third, or no choices at all. Now, students can choose any combination of tens out of tens of subjects. So I may take maths, chemistry, physics, modern Greek to become an engineer. You may take French, maths, Greek, physical education, and music. Right? And then the average score from your subjects and my subjects will be compared. And if yours is higher, you'll, get the, you'll be accepted. I will not be accepted. Not only the subjects can be different but they can have different number of subjects. I may be examined on four subjects, you may be examined on seven subjects. The whole thing is a psychometric nightmare. Some conditions, yes, indeed apply. But they are not very restrictive. Now, one day, we received a phone call. I was at the Cyprus testing service at the moment. Somebody called me saying, Jason, you have to rush. The minister is waiting for you. I went there, and he said, look, we have to find a solution to this. You are a psychometrician. Come up with a model to make the scores comparable. <laughs> and I was like, what? In any case, um, we had to change the law within something like 45, 45 to 60 days. You know how laws are. They have to go to the, uh, to the lawyers of the government. Uh, they will send the, the law back. We then need to send the law to the special committee of the, of the, of the parliament. Then it has to go to the, to the full house of the parliament. You know how things are. Um, so that was the situation. And we had to come up with a model. Right? We came up with a model. And we had a bunch of horror stories in the media in, in the summer. Uh, because the, the model we had uh, had unintended consequences. In 2009, I published a paper in the Oxford Review of Education where I, I was reviewing eight different, well, seven different comparability models. The eighth is the Greek counterexample where they do not need to have any comparability methods because the system is very restrictive, and all students applying for the same uh, department have to take the same, the, the same subjects which is a relief to the psychometricians in Greece. Now, I'm not going through the other examples, but you might be able to recognize the New South Wales average marks scaling uh, system. The Tasmanian Qualifications Authority method, they, are using, they have been using for many years the RASH model to make scores on different subjects comparable, to put them on, uh, on the same scale as we usually say in psychometrics, as we claim in psychometrics. The Fiji scaling system, systems from Singapore and Greece in Cyprus, New Zealand, it was abolished. The, I call it the Scottish system. Uh, it's not really a comparability system. Uh, they use it informally in Scotland in order to monitor the difficulties of, of scripts, of, of, of subjects. And I am going to give you a glimpse of horror stories from Cyprus. Uh, chemistry, a subject notorious among parents and students for consistently being scaled down, has seen its enrollment dropping by 70% from 2001 to 2006. That was even before we changed the system, which made things worse. Um, The minister uh, in the parliament persuaded his colleagues to vote for the new law because um, scaling is a necessary evil. We can't live without it. Uh, and if you Google the scaling principal examinations, um, you will have a uh, free horror entertainment for a few hours. However, horror stories exist in New, so- in New South Wales. Um, um, if, you, if you if you Google, you'll find very interesting things, uh, heated discussions in the parliaments, um, MPs abusing each other. <laughs> um, Verbally, um, the technical committee on scaling admitted in 2002 that each year brings its own uh, myths and conspiracy theories about the scaling system. Right? Um, summer horror stories in Fiji. Uh, the human rights commission um, investigates alleged breaches of human rights. Blah 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 blah. The story goes on. Right? So I'm not talking about uh, an academic issue that um, um, uh, I came up with in order to publish a paper. I'm talking about real life, real politics, real education problems uh, faced not only in Cyprus but in many countries around the world. Now what I'm going to do is to use empirical data uh, in order to compare the scaling method in Cyprus, the natural scores or or national ratings uh, in Scotland. The Russian model used by the Tasmanian Qualifications Authority and the multi model, uh, as far as I know, this has not been used officially anywhere. Um, however, it's an, it's, it's an interesting model. I'm going to use it. Now, this is the Cypriot scaling method. Fairly simple, fairly straightforward. These are the raw scores of the students, reported on a scale from 0 to 200 out of 200 on each subject. So we get the logarithm of this fraction here. Uh, so we, we transform the row scores into a logarithmic scale. Then we get the something like the z-scores uh, um, for each score on each subject with a mean of 10 and the standard deviation of 3. And then we get the average. Of the subjects, doesn't matter how many subjects you, you actually took, we get the average, right? It had to be simple. It had to be as intuitive as possible for the MPs to understand and vote for it. It had to be straightforward for parents to tolerate, for teachers to endorse, right? For the press, for the newspapers. It's, it's not just psychometrics, you know, you don't, you don't just play with the numbers and come with the models. Um, Anyhow, this is the this is the model, okay? And uh, the reason we had to use the logarithmic transformation is that we had to smooth the anomalies uh, in some subjects on the distributions because it's not just fairy, fairy tales. It's sometimes the distributions were so skewed, so heavily skewed, and we had to do something about it. You know, we if we didn't. Uh, transform with a logarithm we would get z scores of 4 or 4.5 sometimes so somebody would get a score of uh, 13 out of 10 for example on the transformed scale silly things can happen in the real world so the competing models um, in case somebody would like to read more about the national ratings uh, in Scotland these are two of uh, are two publications you might want to read. <clears throat> you can find them in the uh, in, in the last page. Uh, this is a linear model. The national ratings. You basically adjust you basically adjust the performance of a candidate on a subject based on his or her performance or the other subjects he or she took. The RASH model, most of us are aware of what the RASH model does. Again, it's a logarithmic transformation of your score. The, your row score is a sufficient statistic for your ability estimate in case there are no missing data here. Yeah. But, of course, there are missing data. And uh, the RASH model works only if you are trying to built a scale which is unidimensional. Imagine, and the Tasmanian Qualifications Authority has a very nice little trick on their webpage to show how it works. They say, okay, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because, for example, music will not scale with maths, right? But what do they do is that they, they scale first the subjects that will scale, science, chemistry, biology, you know. And then they will anchor the difficulties or some parameters, and then introduce the rest of the subjects. And also, we have the multi-level model, which can take the form of a repeated measures design, where each person is measured on many different occasions, many different subjects. Now, the decision is, do you aggregate raw scores? Do you aggregate transformed, scaled uh, scores? because you know the the system the system has a political ideology behind it if you stop and think for a while this is a political position it says that no matter what the performance of the students is on different subjects we will force the system to have the same mean and the same standard deviation on all subjects so the 2,000 students that take the test in biology will, have, will receive the same mean performance and the same standard deviation on the distributions of their scores with the maybe 50 students that take a test on shoemaking, right? Or a test on how you grow vegetables. Now, this is a political position. It's not a psychometric one. It doesn't involve any comparison, really, between subjects. It says, I'm going to scale you with your competitors, and then I will, I will assume that the group of people that take different subjects are politically the same. It's, it's, it's a moral position. It's, it's a political one. It's not a psychometric one. But all the other, all the other models, actually compare performances between subjects. Now, what are the significant variables in the statistics I will show you? Uh, For every candidate, I have a column with his or her row score, a column with the scaled scores using the method, his or her Scottish national rating, his or her rush model measure his or her multi-level model estimates. And I have a number of independent variables. And everything is done for 5,500 students. Now, these are the scatter plots. Very high correlations. We are on the safe side, are we? Well, we are not really. Although the correlation is 0.98, if you think about it, Look how thick this line here is. If your score, if your raw score is here, is here, your transformed multilevel estimate can be either here or here. All right? This is more than one standard deviation discrepancy. And things become even worse. These three models, multi level models, row scores and national ratings, are connected linearly. Things become more problematic if you involve logarithms. Using the Rush model or the Cypriot scale score. Right? Look how steep these shifts are at the edge, at the at the ends, at the tails of the distributions. And if you zoom, if you zoom, let's try to see what the relationships are only for the high achieving, for those having more than 19.4 out of 20. Out of 20, right? These are the high achievers. Things do not look very rosy between the relationships between the competing comparability models. So it makes it makes a lot of difference whether you choose the one or the other model. And these are the scatter plots <clears throat> for those having the score... 19 out of 20, for the high achievers again, different colors show different departments. These are the departments of the first choice. So you have many choices. You may want to become a teacher. Your second choice may be to become an engineer. Your third choice may be to become a mathematician. So depending on what your first choice is, you choose a slightly different combination of subjects when you think that this combination will help you for your first choice, and you can see that if you have different first choice, the transformations of different models are indeed different. Now, what would happen if we would use in 2007 the Scottish, as I call it, method, the national ratings, instead of the Cypriot scaling method? Well, Let's say that success means that you got your first choice. Partial failure means you haven't received your first choice, but you got some other choice, your second or your third choice. Failure means you were not accepted in any department in any university. Now, out of 600 students who succeeded in their first choice using the separate scaling system, 100 would fail their first choice if we had used the national ratings, the the method used uh, in Scotland to monitor the difficulties of the subjects. I'll just go through them very quickly. Now, in Cyprus, we have two different types of schools. It's the equivalent of lycée in France, the more academically oriented students, the more able students, and we have vocational education and other schools. Right? Now, those people here are those who are socially more deprived as well. Poorer students, students coming from parents who have not received higher education. These are the so-called, in the international literature, non-traditional students. Right? Only 18% of those students even try, even dream of trying to access higher education. Still, if we had used the national ratings method, 13% of those who had succeeded would find themselves in a worse position. So So the school matters, depending on which method you use. Graduation year, some people have to work after they finish school. They come from disadvantaged backgrounds. After a couple of years, they say, I have had enough. I want to go to higher education. They are the returning students, right? If we had used, in in 2007, the national ratings method instead of the simple scaling method, 9% of those would find their position that that has been worse now. Very quickly, again, depending on your first preference, on your first choice of study. Again, you can be more disadvantaged. Those trying to pass, to be accepted into human, social, or political studies, would find themselves being disadvantaged. Girls would find themselves worse off if we had used the national rating methods. The same thing applies if I had chosen to make comparisons between let's say the national ratings method and the rash model or the multi-level model and the rash model right? but because I don't have enough time um, I chose not to show too many graphs and too many tables right? the bottom line is different comparability methods indeed affect reported scores in different ways so the fact that in New South Wales, they use a different method. In Tasmania, they use different methods. In, uh, in Scotland, not for changing the scores, but to monitor difficulties, they use a different method. In Cyprus, they use a different method. It makes a lot of sense to ask the question, well, why do we have so many different methods? And what would the consequences be if we had chosen to use one of those other competing models? There is a differential effect on specific subgroups, depending on gender, field of study, type of school. So adjusting the examination scores, I have concluded, is a political decision and has political as well as social consequences. We know what will happen if we choose different methods. We know what's going to happen if we don't scale at all. Um, Most likely, if we choose not to scale at all, as is the case today in England. In England today, if you get B, or let's say you get an A in French, and you get an A in physics, right? you don't scale then. You don't use a comparability method to see whether one subject is statistically more difficult than another. Now if you don't scale at all, it means that it is likely it is likely that some groups of teachers may decide to award higher scores on a specific subject so that they will have they will have more, more clients, so that more students will take this subject. This is the reason why even after scaling, even after scaling, why chemistry has been declining both in Cyprus and I think it was New Zealand, where I found on the internet uh, a discussion between members of the parliament in New Zealand, uh, arguing, exa- arguing exactly that students do not, that students avoid chemistry simply because they feel that they will be disadvantaged because it's more difficult than other subjects. So even after scaling, we have we have changes in the system because of the perception of the students. Imagine what's going to happen if we don't scale at all. But it is a political decision. And I talked about forced decisions before. Because, in effect, what happens after having experiences both in England and Cyprus and in Greece and other places, I have found that very frequently politicians come up with an idea. And they say, hey, I have a great idea. They pick up the phone, and then they advertise uh, a project and ask academics to bid for the project. Right? And academics rely, rely on projects, so they must compete to get the, the project. Or ask civil servants who are academics as well to come up with ideas to support this decision with empirical evidence. It it can happen. It happens. And this is what I call forced research as well. So first you come up with the idea, then you ask somebody to come up with a model, or with evidence against, or in favor of the idea. And most of the times, most of the times, you can find arguments in favor or against the idea, depending on what you want to do, even using the same data sometimes. Now, messages for the British context. Now, I've, I've realized that I know that there are, there's a logistical nightmare here because of the different uh, um, um, awarding bodies and different syllabi, um, different systems. Uh, I'm not quite sure how a brave psychometrician would actually try to establish uh, um, a comparability model between subjects. I'm not quite sure how it can be I mean, I'm sure it can be done. Um, no question about that. I'm not quite sure how it can be done easily in a way that is comprehensible and defensible in the, in the press and in the, in the, uh, to the MPs. Um, differential effect on subgroups. Um, what about social mobility sometimes we now know that that by using one model in Cyprus or the other using the Cyprus data we can favor subgroups or we can penalize subgroups these were politics coming from the back door after we do our research um And what about politics and the neoliberal view of higher education now, in the years of austerity, in the years of cuts? um, It is likely that we may have fewer uh, places in the prestigious universities, in the prestigious departments. It's important to make sure that we do not penalize subgroups, either by establishing comparability or by by not establishing comparability. So, doing something is one thing, not doing something is again, again has consequences. So, I guess it's a matter of political will and consensus within a society. Now, I had an interesting discussion with Paul before about free choice, about the benefits of choice, about how it's excellent, an excellent idea to give choices to students. Now, the question is, I didn't have time at, uh, then to raise the issue, Paul, but Are we sure that all people have access to the same information? And if they have access to the same information, can they process this information in the same way? And if they can, can they make the the same decisions? Can they make the, the right decisions? So free choice is great, provided we have the means to help everyone make the right choices, the most appropriate choices for them. And I will, beyond ethical issues, beyond ethical and political issues, I would like to, to focus on, on the legal issues. Now, it's, 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 it's very funny because a few years ago in Cyprus, we had, I think, the first legal aspect of, in the whole world on this issue. Some parents went to the courts and said that their child had been disadvantaged because of the scaling system. And they provided some nice graphs. They went to a mathematician who provided, who was more than happy to provide graphs and go to the newspapers. And, you know, the, 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 the news agents were, were very happy to publish the story. And it was all, you know, uh, smiles. And... Anyway, they went to the court. The judge was a very clever guy who said, I am not going to rule on whether the scaling system you use in Cyprus is good or bad, whether this person was penalized or not. I'm going to say that the parents of this student knew the rules of the game from September. However, they didn't come to me, said the judge. They waited after the release of the results. Therefore, therefore... Their stance was not ethical. I'm not quite sure if they really attack the system or the results of their, I think it was son, not the the daughter. Therefore, the clever judge avoided the problem of having to rule on the comparability system. At some point, somebody will have to make a decision, I guess. So there are ethical, political, moral issues. There are legal issues. Um, there are psychometric issues statistical issues there are real world issues as, as I'm trying to say it's, this is not an academic de- debate this is not something that academics with, with plenty of time in their hands invented to, you know, to, to, to say stories and publish papers these are real world problems and I think I think future research on this issue should focus a lot, a lot more on the consequences, on the political aspects, because these sort of decisions are mainly political, not psychometric. Thank you.
0: This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk.